Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing all the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture, and more. You'll learn the Museum Way at Crystal Bridges. Today's bonus episode is one we've been excited to share for a while now. On the final day of Black History Month, we look to the coming year and consider how we can take the lessons of Black history forward throughout 2019. One way we'd like to do this is to listen back on a conversation we had last year. In June of 2018, I sat down with museum educators Raven Cook and Contrell Curry to discuss the American spirit and the idea of Independence Day, which at the time was just around the corner. We were unable to turn the episode around in time for the holiday, but we're excited to share it here with you today as we round out Black History Month 2019. Please enjoy this extra episode of Museum Way. At Crystal Bridges, it is our mission to welcome all to celebrate the American spirit. So, what exactly is the American spirit? We strive to develop a museum culture known for providing positive, enriching experiences for our guests and staff, and we want to continue thinking forward. So what does it mean to be an inclusive art museum? Today, we'll be talking with museum educators Raven Cook and Contrell Curry about how we at Crystal Bridges can continue to foster this rich and valuable discussion. In light of the 4th of July and on the heels of our Soul of a Nation exhibition, We want to recognize our complicated history around the idea of an Independence Day and talk about some of the artworks in our collection that help us think through this. We're here with museum educators Raven Cook and Contrell Curry. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Hi, how are you? Hello. So um, I'd like you all to just introduce yourselves. Tell us who you are, what you do at the museum, uh, a little bit about your backgrounds. Well, my name is Raven Cook, and I am a school programs educator. So I work primarily with students K through 12. Um, I take them through the galleries, and I introduce them to works of art based on the curriculums that their teachers um, have kind of introduced. So the things that they're working on in class, uh, they are able to have like a visual uh, through the the lens of the museum. Um, But I also do the work of really trying to help our educators get to a point of comfort and talking about race and identity with some of the works of art, um, especially with art that tackles the African-American experience. My background is in African-American history, um, and most of the work I do in the community pertains to teaching in that field. So how to make educators, teachers, and even students more comfortable with having conversations about um, race and identity, particularly as it relates to the Black experience. Experience. So that's kind of what I do a little bit. Hey, yeah, my, my name is Kentrell Curry, and I am uh, an associate museum educator uh, over Art Infusion program. So I actually work on the public program side of, edu- of education at the museum. Uh, public programs is different from school programming in that, I, as the name sort of suggests, uh, I, I look at uh, outward facing programs. Uh, So I I connect with the community. One of my major goals as a programmer for Art Infusion is to always be collaborative and be working with, uh, with our diverse community to sort of bring out that, that, that unique flavor. And those, those sort of unique um, Northwest Arkansas sort of um, niches, I guess. I think that um, museum, I think that by connecting 
our programming to our larger community, we're really able to see that art is not only uh, an impactful tool for these communities, but also that uh, the community is full of creatives who are who are creating art and sort of expanding on the on the experience, the American experience. Well, this uh, this month of July, of course, uh, we have a big holiday. Mm, my birthday. And your birthday. Yes. It's the biggest of them. It's the biggest of them. The biggest one. Yeah. Well, (laughs) actually, the United States celebrates its 242nd birthday on July the 4th. And as an art museum uh, dedicated to American art, uh, we work to tell the story of America through its art. Yet that story uh, is a pretty complicated one, depending on who's telling it, right? Right. Indeed. Uh, so America's art history certainly stretches further back than just 250 years, and it includes many different types of people and cultures. So as educators and community engagers, you both explore these ideas through your roles at the museum. So I want to kind of reflect on this Independence Day holiday about what does this holiday mean for you all? It's a very complex holiday because, as we know historically, um most African Americans were not freed. They were not a part of this narrative of Americanness. Um, so for me, it's very um, difficult to talk about. Um, generally, on the day, uh, my family and I will reflect on Frederick Douglass's speech. Um, what does the Fourth of July? Um, what to the slave is the Fourth of July? Um, so it is actually kind of a somber time in my family. Um, I can't speak for the entirety of Black culture. Um, both of my parents are veterans, so there is an acknowledgement of this Americanness, but at the same time, it is an understanding of the the truth. The the realities of what it means to be black in America. And it can be really complex for me personally. Um, and what, what that, what that means, like, how do you deal with that? So, um, yeah, I find it really a challenging holiday more than, than a really celebratory one, more somber than anything. Yeah. And the, the, the speech you mentioned, Frederick Douglass is what to the slave is the 4th of July. Yes. That's an oratory that he actually delivered in 1852. Yes. Actually, July 5th of 1852. So he's um, really in a space. And if you read the speech, there's a lot of language that's used and a lot of rhetoric that really talks about the myth and the reality and and how um, that's being introduced into this rhetoric of independence and what that means. So um, during that holiday, we'll play an excerpt of it from, especially for my younger brother and and for the younger people in our family, we'll play an excerpt of that speech um, from a Howard Zinn the people speak uh, video and will allow like the younger people in my family to kind of hear it and visualize it and get this understanding that there is a duality of what that means to be American and be black at the black American. That's that's a little challenging. Right. Um, Yeah. The the 4th of July has always been an interesting holiday for me. I grew up playing music. So a lot of times around the 4th of July, um, I might have some type of music engagement or something uh, where we would play this, you know, really patriotic music, uh, really thinking about nationalism and stuff. Um, but as I've as I've grown, the the idea of the Fourth of July has 
evolved for me as I've learned more about my own history um, and about, you know, just about the treatment of, of African-Americans throughout throughout American history. Um, the Fourth of July has become a holiday that 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 really like 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 Raven sort of mentioned, it's not really a celebration in any sort of way. It's more like a reminder of um of our realities. Um and it's interesting that she brings up this idea of myth versus reality because growing up I was fed a myth about the Fourth of July and um what it meant to to be American and sort of celebrate this as independence. Um there was never any mention of the fact that my people were not free um, growing up. And this is something, of course, that I, I should have known at the time. But growing up, you don't always think of things. You know, you're still learning a lot of things, so you don't always think of things that way. Uh, but the 4th of July has has since become a holiday where I, too, reflect on um, on just honestly where I am in my own life right now and uh, what what our current uh, state and society is really um how how are we being treated how is this idea of independence being uh pushed forward and it's the 4th of July it's uh, the 4th of July being a symbol of this and uh, America's birthday how how is that affecting my life you know yeah it's sim- it, it's really poignant right now when we when we think about all of the um the black lives matter the me too movement mm-hmm. Uh, the situation of separating families at the border, um, even the the ongoing fight for LGBTQ rights. Um, uh, it's 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 a time where I think a lot of Americans are reflecting, and this idea of the myth versus the reality is, you know, I would have, you know, as a as a white man growing up in the South, you know, uh, the so called myth would have been my reality. Um, but it's only through talking to other groups of people and then also reflecting on what does it mean to be an American? What is the so-called American spirit mm-hmm. that um, increasingly we're finding um, cultural institutions like art museums, yeah. Crystal Bridges being the main one uh, in this region, um, are in many ways having this really rich conversation about what is the role of the art museum in this contemporary moment. What are your thoughts on that? With Soul of a Nation, that was a really game-changing exhibition for me as an educator. Um, the The work leading up to that was something um, that really was, uh, I, I wasn't surprised. I was actually really, really empowered by the work that we as an institution did to kind of prepare for the exhibition. Um, Why don't you explain some of what you did to help prepare the staff right. for that exhibition? So I actually ordered the book in advance and I read through the text because I really just wanted to see what it would look like. I was really just excited about seeing um black bodies in in visual art like that's something that I wasn't exposed to as a child um in the way that I feel like I would have benefited me um there were some narratives around art right that my parents didn't want me to maintain the sense of uh, this this narrative of like whiteness right there wasn't a lot of representation of black visual artists in the area where I was growing up so 
Um, it was really enlightening to me to see this exhibition. I bought the book, I read through it, and I saw some of the language um, about double consciousness and uh, this duality, the sense of self that Black people experience. This uh, double consciousness was created by Dr. Du Bois um, in the 20th century, and it discusses this duality of the self, right? So you have this one self who's trying to adapt to this narrative of Americanness, but then this other self that is still um, connected to the sense of blackness that isn't quite fitting into Americanness and trying to navigate that. So I understood that most people would not understand, one, the concept of black power as a um, as a beautiful sense, right? It's always mm-hmm. been demonized. So I knew that there was something that needed to be done about that. I went to our director of education and told her, like, we really need to offer a space where people can learn. And I actually um, teach in the community anyway. So I just took the classes that I I teach in the community and added some visual arts that were in the exhibition, but also um, art that was being done during the Harlem Renaissance and things like that. And I talked about um, black culture. So I taught an African-American history class for the museum that had somewhat of an artistic focus. And when Soul of a Nation came, some of our staff were able to come back and tell me like they viewed that totally differently than they felt Mm -hmm. like they would have if they didn't have an education on what um, that exhibition was about. So it introduced some symbolism and some language that wouldn't have been um, known had we not gone through the the proper educational process. So it was about four weeks intensive. People came out and it was great. Like I really was really proud of our institution for that work. And then it really was a really great uh, you did a, an amazing job, and uh, you know a lot of uh, what helps with understanding and, and crossing, um, you know, perceived barriers of culture, if you will, oftentimes is context and voice. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like actually um, allowing those that are maybe different from you the opportunity and the ability to speak, to speak. from yeah. their own place. It was great. It's yeah. a great experience. Yeah. So. Um, Let's start. Let's talk about some of the artwork in our collection and how you know as we move toward this idea of being inclusive um, as a cultural institution. Uh, you both have worked with um, people who have favorites in the collection, or you Raven have even mentioned trying to teach students of various mm-hmm. uh, levels, right. like from second graders to seniors, right. about some works in our collection that are actually pretty challenging and require some depth of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with We the People. Can we start with yeah. that work? Yeah, definitely. Just thinking about We the People, I think that it's the perfect piece to start with because it takes this historical idea, um, We the People, and brings it to a contemporary space Um and if you haven't seen it, it, it opens up our galleries um, and it's a very large piece by Nari Ward um, that has that art that is the text. We the people in the font um, in the in the font from the um, Declaration, from the Declaration of, Independence. of Independence. Excuse me. Um, so it's it's sort of this fitting um, starting point. And uh, just kind of to go back to the point of what what role do museums have? Um, I think that this really sets up the role that a museum can play. Um, We the People is is an artwork that that thinks about diversity 
uh, through this through the use of shoestrings. So the, all of these hanging shoestrings are a common connection between us all. Um, we all, well, hopefully we all have shoes. Um, I wouldn't, I, I can't say that we all do because we know the realities of things. Um, but that brings us back to this whole myth versus reality sort of um, sort of theme that we've been that we've been uh, exploring throughout this podcast um and i think that the nari award piece really lets us lets us look at both that myth um of how was we who were the people um when the declaration of independence was actually uh being written right um right. versus who are the people now um and i think that our galleries do especially the new rehang does a a, a great job of um, expanding on who the people are. Um, and I think that it's up to museums to really um, challenge the status quo and, and challenge what uh, what we've sort of been presented throughout the history of visual arts as, as who the people are. So I think Nari Ward's work is the perfect place to start, um, start thinking about that idea, start thinking about who uh, the myth versus reality. Yeah, so our regular listeners to the um, Museum Way will probably remember our very first episode, um, the inaugural episode, where we talked with curator Mindy Besaw about the reinstallation. Of course, we recently reimagined the galleries because we wanted to tell a more inclusive story of American art. A large part of the curatorial vision was tackling that question about who gets to tell that story and how, and the ways that the history of art and artists past and present contribute to that process. And so, yeah, Nari Ward's piece, and of course he's a Jamaican-born but American-based um, artist in Brooklyn, um, posed this really eloquent question with that. And and um, our curators knew that that was sort of, that piece was so kind of powerful in its um, elegance and its statement that it allowed the question to be asked. It sort of opened the way mm-hmm. for yeah. thinking about American art and where where does that even begin? Who does that include? And I think it's a beautiful moment that uh that piece was actually able to be installed uh by the people, uh by the visitors of the museum. They Tell us a little bit to... about that. So um like I said, the the piece is a number of shoestrings uh that have been placed into the wall to create this this text, We the People. It's like um, hundreds of them. I don't yeah. even know how many. So I'm, many. Yeah, it's so many pieces. Because um, this is taking up a, a, a fairly large wall. Um, but the museum invited guests as they were coming through the museums to actually coming through the museum to actually uh, step to the piece and take a shoestring or two and actually install it into the wall. So um, this whole idea of we the people and who the people are is even being um, explored in the installation. Uh, or creation of this artwork, um, so to speak. Um, and I think that, that that's an important, for me, that's an important point because um, it it shows this sort of, um, just this sort of beautiful moment of uh, of artistry, really, on the, on the part of Nari War, as well as on the part of our museum to really think about how we can expand on that on that idea you know expand on who the people are so i think i really appreciate the fact that um that people were able to have that sort of hands-on experience um and be a part of of that artwork so thinking forward and i want to pull raven into this um this question as well how do we as an art museum help to engage in these issues of social justice really that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. um you know how 
who are some of the artists in our collection that maybe can help us? Maybe what are some examples? I'd love to hear some of your stories from the field, so to speak. Yeah. So in relationship to Nari Ward's piece, um, I've had I had one fifth grade student who really uh, made that piece in in so far as language. It spoke to me in a really different way. Um, he talked about, and this was just his perspective, right? Because when I open my tours, I generally ask the students to bring their whole self to the day. So not just looking at a piece, but examining it as a physical, like standing in front of it, making a decision, right? To stand in front of it, um, to think about what the materials are, how it's made, um, but also emotionally, how it makes them feel, what what is it about it that makes them feel that way? And then spiritually, like how can they take take away something for the betterment of themselves and humanity from that work. So we go through those like steps and the young man walked in and saw the We the People uh, piece and we talked about it a little bit and he kind of summarized it by saying, this is the place that America wants to be, right? Like he talks about this is the desire. This was the desired outcome. But the galleries around it were the actual work in us getting there. And I thought, whoa wow. like fifth grade Insightful. and it was so brilliant and i thought like that is such a beautiful way to consider it um and, and even in the field like or in the galleries with students they'll say some of the most profound things about works that you um, really are challenged by as adults because as adults we tend to have kind of a narrative of it in our own mind but students um, come to it with this kind of really free and openness to it that kind of gives you this sense of this childlike wonder which is really beautiful um, a piece that I'm working on right now really examining how students deal with topics of race and identity is Carrie James Marshall's Our Town. Mm. It's a huge canvas um, and it's so many moving parts to it. But the focus, the the central piece are the two children. There's a um, an African-American boy and girl. But Carrie James Marshall as an artist is using the literal color black to uh, paint these children, right? So when you go to the piece and you have to have these discussions about what the children see, a lot of times there's a hesitation between the students and the chaperones about acknowledging this black. And then even in acknowledging it, the students that are present that are African-American tend to kind of withdraw or hide, or it's a really interesting uh, piece to observe as an educator. But I, every day I'm like, I have to do this piece. I have to do it with multiple grade levels and just experience what it's like. Um, it can be uncomfortable at times to have these conversations. Um, but I think embracing the discomfort is something that we as um, a museum must do. Um, having these really um, uncomfortable conversations and questioning why people are uncomfortable is incredibly important. I would agree, especially when you're talking about Carrie James Marshall yes. as an artist, because right. he very deliberately selected the black color exactly. to represent the blackness of the bodies right. in his painting. His work, his whole career, mm -hmm. um, is sort of this um, exploration and investigation of, of blackness. Right. Yeah, he even... Um... Just as a side note, he even uh, he did these great portraits of black people under a black light, um, and they wow. they really just are, are amazing, beautiful, beautiful works. You know, um, 
that you see then translated to his canvas um, and using this sort of black color and even the sort of features that come out uh, out of these out of these uh, figures uh, on on his canvases, the the uh, the features are still a, a black, just like a a lighter grayish color, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. it's really really just a beautiful thing. What are some other artists? I notice. Um, I think Vanessa German, um, her art, yes, uh, is I very interesting. German. Explores uh, these questions in a really yeah. interesting way. Um, I've had the opportunity to teach Vanessa German a few times. One of the most um, awesome opportunities, I had a group of all young black women. And it was probably a really game changer for me because I that wasn't on the tour, but they were so enamored with it that we just had to stop and make it a stop, um, which you're able to do depending on time and things like that. So we started to talk about it and just kind of discuss it. And we were we all had this consciousness of um, how we deal with double consciousness, right? We all had this sense of the way that we're viewed by society and the way that we actually exist. So there were subtle symbolisms like the watermelon in uh, souvenirs of our trip, which is this red. Uh, it's, it's It has these colors, these rich, really reds. And then it has like a boat at the top that says Jamestown. It's a doll that is kind of like... Um, overlaid in red and she has like a black face but then these very um she uses um shells like the african type shells to use for the lips but it's it's a beautiful piece that she uh, puts tobacco uh, cans on the skirt of the doll just to kind of echo that jamestown is um the product that jamestown becomes significant for in history is tobacco right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it kind of echoes this sense of what that means but the watermelon on the bottom um Historically, black people are um, using watermelon economically, buying and like uh, selling watermelon for their ability to galvanize toward economic independence, right? To do this American thing. But we know that watermelon is also tied to minstrelsy or these shows that will reveal blackness with stereotypes and caricatures of, of. not who we are, right? So mm-hmm. um, she reclaims these narratives and then introduces them in a way um, that can have conversations about forgiveness, right? Because the keys on the piece actually represent are symbolic of forgiveness. So she's having this conversation within this work of art that's just a back and forth of where we've been, where we are, and where we can go. And I really mm-hmm. like pieces that do that work of talking about past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And it is right in front of Carrie James Marshall's Our Town. So it gives you this really important conversation of what's going on in the world through both sculpture and uh, of a literally painted canvas. So it's a really powerful um, moment. And the young ladies at the stop, we were able to talk about blackness in a way that I really um, needed to for my own personal self. It was a day I really needed to be able to have that moment where I reached out to somebody that looked like me and talked about what I was seeing and how it worked and to have a group of young ladies that we were all kind of echoing these same ideals. Some days the kids are really just like a salve for a wound that you may have and it just kind of helps you grow and build as a, a thinker and a an educator and they're really just incredible. I've been so honored to work with 
some of these students that have come through the doors. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a it's a big project for, for Crystal Bridges, the education, Huge. and uh, and these opportunities are invaluable. They yeah. are so brilliant. It's really great. Control, I wanted to ask you about a, a particular work that you mentioned. Um, it's a, a relatively new acquisition that we had mm-hmm. on view recently. Yeah. The artist's name is Willie Birch. Can you yeah. tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that piece? Yeah. Um, first, first, before we get into that, I do want to say uh, All or Nothing um, was an exhibition, was the focus exhibition that the Willie Birch piece was sort of first put on display in. Um, and I think that the All or Nothing exhibition itself, which kind of deals with this idea of color, um, all being being black um, in this case, and nothing being uh, white uh, in, uh, in this exhibition, I, I, I want to point that out because um, I was talking to Raven and she just kind of told me about some of the dialogues that grew mm-hmm. out of that exhibition being there and this idea of color. Um, especially on the abstract piece that is literally a black canvas and a white canvas and mm-hmm. sort of um, how how that sort of um, turned into a conversation about status in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was by Ellsworth Kelly. Yes. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. um, so I want to just kind of mention that because I think it shows how important uh, art is for building those conversations and sparking those sort of inspirations. But the uh, Willie well, Birch... It was interesting that you know it because even the artists featured in that were um, a pretty good balance and mix mm-hmm. of white and black artists That's as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was some really great dialogue from kids. The Ellsworth Kelly piece, the kids actually saw it as a story of, like, they actually personified the two just plain canvases. They personified them and then started having a conversation about who had access to what and how the black piece was bigger, but it didn't have access to being a part of the white piece. There was still, like, this divide, and they broke it down in such a masterful way that I'd never even thought about. So, yeah, I had to share that with Kendrew. Yeah. Um, the really, the, the, the Willie Birch piece itself uh, really sort of speaks to me because I just remember, you know, sitting around the table playing dominoes with my, with my friends and just, you know, having a good time. Uh, and that's y'all that, called them bones, right? We, yeah, we call them, mm-hmm. we call them bones. Um, and, I really couldn't tell you where that comes from, that name itself, but uh, we do call them, we do call it Bones, and it, it, it's it's just kind of one of those traditions within the black community in, in a lot of spaces. Um, but the Willie Birch piece, um, it's it's just that reality, you know? It, it really wipes away any sort of myth that you might have about about blackness as far as um, how we how we spend our every day. And I think that it's important um, to to have that piece hanging on the wall because it can, it can also spark a conversation about the way that black people are perceived. Um, you know, um, especially, especially when you are unfamiliar with a scene. Um, Mm -hmm. so someone comes up to this painting and has no knowledge of dominoes, um, doesn't really know much about new Orleans or I believe it was in the ninth ward that they were, uh, that this painting was in, but um, I mean that this uh, that this artwork was uh, sort of pointing to. But if someone comes up to their artwork and has no understanding of those things, they they might not they might not realize that that this is a reality. You know, mm-hmm. they might they might project their myth of of black people onto the onto their canvas. Um, but the job of the work itself is to say. 
it, it's to challenge that, you know, the, the, the work itself really challenges the myths that are out there. And Willie Birch, much like Jacob Lawrence is painting, you know, the realities of the black experience. And um, I think that that's just important because it, it's been excluded for so long. Um, and we, we have to take us, take a step towards um, including those stories and, and including those, those just true realities. So that piece for me, it's just really one of those just real moments, almost like a photograph, you know, like you it can't fake it. Um, so that's what I really like about that work. Well, thinking forward, what are the possibilities for an inclusive art museum? What would you think that would look like? Um, mm. And what kinds of discussions do you think we need to have? Um, I think that the biggest thing is, is that we need to be, uh, willing to take risks as as cultural interest uh, as cultural institutions, we need to be willing to take risks because um, nothing nothing is ever going to change if if people are just settling for what's already there. Um, we have to be bold. Um, not everybody's going to like the practices that you may take, um, but you have to take you have to um, actively practice uh, diverse hiring uh, um, policies. Um, you have to actively um, speak about issues in a community and um, connect with the community to sort of understand what their needs are. Um, the, the institution, the, the museum institution should be a space where people can come and decipher culture, um, a place where we can come and discuss culture and dis- discuss the realities and not the myth. Um, I would say just to have courage um, in being uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable um, and just being fearless about how you present these stories and and being honest. As Kentrell said, you're not always going to have people who support what you do, but just being bold and brave and saying this needs to be done. Um, Also being uh, not afraid of failure um, and just being willing to fail forward, as we say in education, Mm -hmm. and just make sure that even when you're not necessarily hitting the mark, you're able to reevaluate and assess, like, how do we do this better? Um, Seeking the narratives from the community making sure the community plays an active role in how you present exhibitions mm-hmm. and how you have conversations about uh, especially race and identity um, in, in gender and sexual orientation, all these different things in the context of exhibition space. So I think just being brave and being compassionate, also understanding that everybody's moving differently in their journey and just having the compassion to say, I know you're you're maybe not here, but let's try to talk about it and figure out where we can, how we can get you a step forward and not keep you going backward. We're always moving forward. Contrell Curry, Raven Cook, I want to thank you so much for this enriching conversation, which I hope is just the beginning of even more. Thanks for having us. This is really great. Thanks for tuning in to Museum Way. We hope you enjoyed the episode and that you tune in each month to hear more. We'll be sharing extra info about this episode on our blog, so head over to crystalbridges.org for artwork images, resources, and more related to today's conversation. I'm Stay Street, and I'll catch you next month right here on Museum Way.